Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Thank you so much for helping us celebrate Christmas the way you have. Christmas is coming. Have you done all your Christmas shopping? Are you ready? Hopefully you are. Sometimes in the Christmas season we get to be very busy and we can sometimes start to lose a little bit of that meaning and that nostalgia of what Christmas is all about. Tonight I hope to help you a little bit in this Christmas season to get back to the real reason for the Christmas season, and that is that Jesus is the light that came to our lives and he is the light in our hearts. And I'm grateful because it's the greatest story ever told. We talked about that this morning, but I'm also grateful that it's the kingdom come to my life and your life. And I'm also grateful that he introduces us to the the amazing thought. Jesus Christ in a manger opens up the idea that you can make the impossible become possible. Amen. That Jesus laying in a manger was a sign wrapped in swaddling clothes was that a baby could come as God. And vulnerability and all the things that a baby needs dependent upon a creator, dependent upon his creation. Think about that. He was willing to make himself low and come and have his needs be met by the thing that he created. And in doing so, he vanquished guilt with innocence. And he conquered law with love. The things that we now know can win we find in a manger where Jesus laid. It's the first sign or first example of a king-sized bed. Amen? Yeah, the dad jokes are going to come out. I don't know. It's going to get worse. It's amazing what kids do when they start to look at the manger and the Christmas story and how they can mangle the words of songs. Have you ever had some examples of this? One kid was talking about to his mom, and they were actually going to see Santa. And I know I'm probably not supposed to say that in church, but hey, they were going to see Santa, and um, they they were talking about it a little bit, and she was going to give him a snack. And he said, Johnny, I'll give you another snack if you can list two of the reindeer. And he, of course, he jumped out with um, Rudolph was one of them. And then he went to say the next one, and his mind went blank. And he was like thinking and thinking. She's like, okay, no cookie. He's like, wait, 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 I got it. The other one's named Olive. She's like, Olive, that's uh, that's your sister's name. That's not the name of a reindeer. And he's like, yeah, Mom, it, it, it makes perfect sense. It says it right in the song. Olive, the other reindeer, used to laugh and call him names. So kids can tend to warp words and stories. And also there's an interesting illustration from a southern town in the United States somewhere around... Texas, I'll just say it. But there was a beautiful crafted nativity scene in the north. Northerner was passing through, and he stopped to see this nativity scene, and he was mystified to see that the three wise men were all wearing fireman helmets, and they were unable to unable to conceive any reasonable explanation for why they would have fire helmets on. He finally, in bewilderment, stopped at a quick stop on the edge of town and asked the lady behind the counter about the helmets. And she said, 
Why aren't, aren't you're a pastor and you don't even know the Bible? What it says about the wise men? He's like, well, I can assure you, <laughs> I indeed read the Bible, but there is no place where the wise men were wearing fire hats. She said, oh, sure, absolutely. It says right there in the good book, the three wise men came from afar. Oh, the mysteries of Christmas. Yes, yes, yes. The things that get mangled. There's so many mysteries in Christmas. I want to talk to you about the mystery of the manger and how it brings us back to the heart of what God was trying to do in earth. And really the heart of Christmas is to give back, to give when no one's willing to give, to extend when no one's extending, to love when no one returns love, to be willing to reach out even when rejection's given back, to go into a place and a lifestyle of infinite mindset instead of fin finite mindset. And that's what God exemplified to us. And so we think about the mystery of this manger. The manger itself is very, very common in these days. It wouldn't be anything you'd notice. In fact, you'd walk right by it if you were to see one because they're so prevalent. They're places where actually the translation in Scripture was a trough, a place to feed animals. And you would think the mystery of the manger would be that Jesus was laid in that manger, but even more so the mystery of that that sign and another sign of him wrapped in swaddling clothes. I, I don't know if if you could think with me for a minute, but just consider the mystery of the star in the sky never seen before, that God used the stars to herald his arrival. Mysterious visitor from the east, those wise men that were following that star, the, the mystery, the, the mysterious visitation of angels, all of this to announce a baby, not in a golden-laid mansion as a king, but in a manger, a feeding trough. Almost offensive, you would think, but it was beautiful because there was even the mystery of the pregnant woman who had never been with a man. And, and the greatest mystery of all, I believe, is the incarnation of God in flesh, that God Almighty put on a body and died for us. And that's why I know I can trust him, because he has scars to prove it. Amen. He came and suffered and died my sin, carried my cross up that hill, and despised and rejected as he was. He hung there for me, the body of Jehovah Yahweh, the God of eternity, came to die for me. And we can't separate those two. The mystery of the manger truly is the beautiful fact that she brought forth her firstborn son wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Number one, I have three points quickly, and we'll then get to the candle lighting. And number one is, first, the perfect picture of Jesus in a manger was the picture of rejection. Jesus was rejected. There was no room in the inn. There was room. There was no room for him. There was, there was room for business in the inn. There was room for pleasure in the inn. There was room for others in the inn, but there was no room for Jesus in the inn. He, it speaks to the fact that no matter who you are, no matter how much you've been rejected in life, Jesus wants to be in your life. Because whoever is rejected, he's found there. And so no matter how, how you feel about life or where you feel life has taken you, he's always going to show up, even in the rejected places and in the rejected hearts, in the rejected, where rejected hope is and, 
And everything else we see is a beautiful picture of God coming to man. And some place that had been found for Mary, if you know the traveling miles, they went about 70 miles, according to what I've studied out, to get to the place where they found the manger. And Mary was going into labor at any time. And perhaps she was already in labor at the moment when they found this desperate situation of just going into the stable. It was offered to them because there was no room in the inn, and they kept the animals there. A lot of the history, we understand that there would be two levels in a house in Jerusalem or in Beth Bethlehem, and a lot of times they would keep the animals on the lower level, and they would live at that level during the day, but then they would retire to the upper level to sleep or the sleeping quarters, and those areas would be full, the areas where they would sleep or retire or have uh, dinner and things like that, but the animals underneath would be kept. So Jesus came to a place where he was not expected to be, a king among the unexpected. And it's beautiful, it's beautiful to me because I find that the creator came as the word of God made flesh, amen? Jesus came and he's likened to someone who's rejected. And then number two, well, he's rejected of his own family even. In fact, his own brother's didn't even recognize him until after the resurrection. James and Judas believed in him after they saw him resurrected, even, even more so if your family doesn't accept you, if your family rejects you, I want you to know Jesus does accept you. Amen. He does accept you. So it's not about who does or does not receive you. It's about the one who came and took on flesh and in that picture received us all. And this day, the Jews largely, even to this day, the Jews largely reject the Messiah revealed. So Jesus faced rejection on all of his earthly life. And still, and still to this day, they reject him at times. I remember a young woman that was in a bookstore and she was looking through some cards and she finally got to a card that really offended her. And she threw it down and she said, imagine bringing religion into Christmas. She stormed out of the store and I was standing there just befuddled. You know, Christmas starts with Christ and it should always start with Christ. He's the reason for the season, amen. But even though there are some that will not accept him and God forbid that be any of us, I know that's not true, but I would like for Christ to live in my life and not just be the words that somebody uses around me in profanity, but I want him to be the greatest name, the greatest author, the greatest finisher of anything in my life. I want to surrender all of my life to him because he surrendered all of his life to us when he came in a manger. It's beautiful, the story. I hope that this Christmas, Christ is not just a historical figure for you, but he becomes your savior, your second chance, your acceptance in rejection your hope in a hopeless situation, your turnaround, your stand-up moment, your get-back-up, your come-up. Whatever you need, God can be it. Amen? Number two, the manger perfectly pictures Jesus' redemption because the scripture says there shall be a sign. Everyone say sign. Unto you that the babe will be wrapped in swaddling clothes. Those are cloths that they would wrap the baby in. Often they would wrap him, wrap the child all the way till only the face is exposed. Look like a tiny little mummy. 
That's basically what they turned out to look like. But they believed in those days, even though they didn't have the medical knowledge to understand, they they thought that when they wrapped the baby in these swaddling clothes, that their limbs would grow straight and strong. And so they would wrap them up in swaddling clothes. But also with this story, we have to understand that the angels appeared on the hillside and told the, the shepherds who should not have been invited to be at, near a king. They wouldn't be welcome because they were the lowest class of the society. Amen. In a caste society, they were at the bottom of the totem pole. And yet the angels went to the lowly, went to the ones that weren't supposed to be invited to the party. Amen. Weren't supposed to be allowed in and said, you are the ones I want to go. And we understand through scripture and through learning and studying that these were very possibly the Levitical shepherds that kept the sheep that would be offered as a perfect lamb sacrifice. And what they would do when the lamb was born, that was going to be a perfect lamb sacrifice that was given to the priest to atone for the nation of Israel to roll the sins ahead until it rolled all the way up and ran into the cross and Jesus died for all mankind forward and back. We understand that they would take the newborn lamb and they would wrap it in swaddling clothes so that it would not injure its limbs or be marred or or be damaged in any way because the lamb had to be perfect, amen, in order for it to be a perfect sacrifice for the high priest to offer for the entire people. And so we know that when he said, this will be a sign to you, when the angels talked to the shepherds and said, you'll find this sign. Number one, he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. What that meant to those shepherds is he's going to be the perfect lamb of God. He's going to be a king born who is a perfect sacrifice because they would understand that in their own profession. So he gave them a sign that they would understand in their own livelihood. And the and the the only things that they knew, he came and gave them something that spoke of redemption. How many times has God showed up and whispered in our ears and showed us little things, little signs, ways that he's pointing us, ways that he's directing us, and he'll tell it to us in ways we understand. That's the God of redemption. He put himself in swaddling clothes and in a manger, not on accident. The scripture says this was actually a sign. And because he was in the manger, they knew that that is the King of kings and Lord of lords in a body. They found out because they understood from the angels that this was the God that scripture was talking about. The baby would be lying in a manger, a feed trough. I think it's rather crude, but we know that Jesus is willing to show up in impossible situations and turn them around, amen? To use things that you think nobody would ever use, to lay in a bed with straw that's meant for a manger, meant for trough. John the Baptist called him in John one twenty nine the Lamb of God, which would take away the sins of the world. And so we know that he was willing to come in a very difficult situation, willing to come in a non-expected way. And I think that Jesus often shows up in our difficult situations and comes in very unexpected ways. Maybe it's just someone that said you... Said, said, you can make it through this. Maybe someone just put their hand on your shoulder and said, it's going to be all right. Maybe someone just smiled at you one day and you thought, you know, there's something different about that. I want you to know that may be the way, the different way that Jesus came to your life. Maybe you are the light that shines in someone's dark night. Maybe you are the one that God wants to use to, to witness the manger to somebody else, the mysterious ways that God works Christ died for us, born 
to die. When the wise men found Jesus, they brought three gifts. You know what they are, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I've always been amazed by that, that they brought things fit for a king. That makes sense to me. Gold meant royalty. That makes sense. For Jesus would be someday a king of the Jews. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we bow our knees in choice today instead of waiting before we're before him and be forced that day. I'm grateful that I understand that scripture and I'm grateful they brought gold to represent this baby in a manger is worthy of royalty. He's a king and he's worthy of my life. Amen. Number two, they brought frankincense, which was a perfume used in worship. And they were saying that this king, this baby, doesn't maybe look like the king of kings and lord of lords right now in this manger, but he's worthy of worship. How fitting for the very God, Jesus, was worthy of worship and adoration. Amen. But the third one, that's what puzzles me. It's the strangest gift I've ever seen. Have you ever gotten a strange gift? You gifted it, didn't you? No. Tried to take it back. Where's the gift receipt? This is the gift that you would have taken back after Christmas. You would have stood in line, the long lines, just to return it to the store. Number three was myrrh. Doesn't make any sense. Myrrh is a spice that was used to embalm the dead. Myrrh is a spice that's used when someone passes on. But they had read, and they brought something that was appropriate, for he was born to give us life because he was born to die. And in the gifts that were brought by the wise men, it spoke of his royalty, it spoke of his worthy of worship, and it spoke of his mission in life. And the best things you find, the best things in life you find, are the things that call you from where you are to a higher place of royalty. The things that speak to you and tell you your heart was made to worship something and you should worship the almighty God who's above all things. And that you were born to give your life for something. You were born to give your energy to something. You were meant to live on purpose. To have purpose pulsing. Literally to live your life with myrrh and have something in your life where you end up dying, reaching for more. That you have such a purpose and a pulsing that's going on inside of you and you live on that and you thrive on that and you walk with that and that becomes a gift in your life. It can seem like a burden, I know, and I feel like preaching tonight because I am a preacher, actually. I got the license in my pocket. But I feel like somebody needs to hear tonight that you're supposed to live your life as the purpose in front of you drives you, not pushing you, but pulling you towards something greater that you cannot do without. You cannot live without. You get up in the morning thinking about it. You go to bed at night thinking about it. And I'm asking somebody here today, do you have something that drives you? Are you living a dead life? Or do you have life from Jesus Christ? I'm wondering, it's a peculiar gift, but the scripture says that Jesus came to give gifts to men. And I wonder if he hasn't put inside you a desire to live a higher life, a desire 
to worship something and the desire to give of yourself to something. Give all of me to something worthy of all of me. And that manger tells that story that Jesus was worthy because he gave his life. He said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He said, if you want to know what it's like to have a life that calls you higher, to have a life that's worthy of giving in worship, and to have a life that's worthy of everything in you, you must give it. And when you give your life, when you lose your life in that, you will find it in him. But if you keep your life, you will lose it. And so the story here is when God gives gifts, he gives the ability for you to be a great light in your world because who doesn't notice somebody living in passion? Who doesn't notice somebody living on purpose, amen? Who doesn't notice the light that comes from somebody who's living their life completely sold out, amen? We reference that to Jesus. And third, the manger perfectly pictures his reachableness. Being born in such a lowly way, of course, it can be romanticized. It can be built up. It can be called common or it can be called anything that somebody wants to call it. We often become nostalgic this time of year with the story of Christmas and the nativity scene. But the truth of the matter is it's almost, it's almost grotesque to put a king in a place like that. It's very significant that the first announcement of the birth was common people and humble shepherds. It's very significant that all of this happened in the way that it happened, in the time that it happened, because we know that Jesus was a king born in a manger. And there was a star that announced it, because if the light's going to be born, you should announce it with light. Amen? And so this light today, as we begin to move toward our candlelighting moment, this light is representative of Jesus. For there was one come from God whose name was John, the scripture tells us. And that it goes on to say in that passage of scripture that Jesus would be the light of the world. And so I want Jesus to be our light. I think it's worthy. I think he's worthy. And I think that we should give him all of us now, of course, we understand we have to lift that light up. So as they pass out the candles today, would you stand with me as we go into our candle lighting moment? And I think those that are helping us get this out. This manger here doesn't seem like much. In fact, you probably would just pass it over any given time that you'd see it. But this is where God chose to be born. This is where he chose to be rejected. This is where he chose to be our redemption. And this is where he chose to be the conclusion of the matter, that Jesus would come for us and that he would be our redemption. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? If they're handing something to you, you can take that. But at this moment, I want to remember 
the reachableness of God. Thank you, Lord, for being a light in our world. Thank you, God, for all that you are to us. Lord, as I hand out these candles and we receive them, would you remind us that you are the word made flesh and dwelt among us. You came as a helpless little child lying in a stable with sheep and oxen and donkeys standing all around and wondering, in wonder and amazement. It's not a fictional story. It's not a little drummer boy moment. And he's not the littlest angel to come to earth. He's not a fairy tale. He's not a passing story. But he's God of the universe, the light of the world, come to save us. So as we start tonight, what I want to do, if you put your, if you put your candles in your hands and put the paper over top so they don't drip on your hands, we're going to start by lighting one. And then what you do is you hold your candle over top of the one that's lit next to you. And you just pass the light one to the other. Please try not to get it on any upholstery. So you hold your candle just like that. Now you share with the next person. This is how we pass the light from one to each other. We share hope. We share tomorrows. We share faith. We share kindness. We share everything that we carry. I want my hope to be seen. I want my hope to be shared. Notice that each one of you are affecting somebody else with your light. This is a picture. What's happening in this room right now is a picture of what we're supposed to be like. I know some of you had some difficulties throughout the year. The Bible says that a smoking flax or burning reed the Lord will not put out. In other words, if you will try your best to stay lit, <laughs> he will help you. He will not blow out the candle of your life. And in fact, Scripture says in one place that if we obey the Lord, he will not remove the lampstand from our life. The lampstand is God's promotion of us. So if you want to be a greater light, make sure that you live your life for Christ. Because he'll make sure that your light is put in a place where it will be seen by the world. So in this moment, we want to just ask the Lord to make us a greater light in 2020, this next year, and believe God for more. Would you hold your candle up just a little bit higher? And what we're going to do is we're going to pray. Lord, would you be our light? Would you be our hope? Would you be our strength in this new year, strength through this holiday season? Would you be the one that lights our world? And may we be the one that turns around and lifts you higher. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the Lord would want you to know that even though he is the one that is the light in our life, he wants us to carry that light. And eventually he wants us to take responsibility for the light 
and become the light as He shines through us. Amen. That we, each one of us, can become a beacon of hope. It's a dark room, but you can see. I can see your faces. I can see the beautiful people that are here because of the candle you're holding. There's beautiful things ahead of you, each one of you this year, and I speak it in faith. But right now, we're going to symbolically extinguish these candles in a way that we say to the Lord, I'm going to be the light. You came and put a light into me so that I can be a light in my world. I'm going to take responsibility for my environments. I'm going to take responsibility for my emotions. I'm going to take responsibility for my actions and my attitudes. And I'm going to make sure that I be the best light I can be. If you would be willing to do that this year, would you extinguish your candle and become the light in your world?